Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, hey everybody and welcome to Fall Kickoff 2020. You know you can tell that it's Fall Kickoff because of the fake foliage. As everyone knows, when you do Fall Kickoff, there has to be fake foliage and we have it. So I think we would all agree that Fall Kickoff 2020 is a fall kickoff unlike any other. And I want to take a second and I want to tell you, whether you are joining us for the in-person experience or the online experience, it's such an honor that you would be here. And for those of you joining us in person, it's been about six months. It's going to be great to see you. But I think it's important that we all remember that a vast majority of people who are joining, attending Southside Church this weekend will be joining us online. And so I want to let you know that about six months ago, we made a commitment that we are going to be a two-campus church. We are going to have an online campus and an in-person campus. And so if you have been watching online, if you are watching online, if your plans are for whatever reason you will continue to watch online, I want you to know that the way we're going to do this online campus, it's not like we're going to stick a camera at the back of the in-person experience and just let it record and throw it out to you. No, it's uniquely geared for the online experience, that we're going to continue to innovate. We're going to continue to find ways to challenge, to uh, inspire, and to move forward in person and online. Well, it's rebuilding time. We got a lot of work to do. Culturally, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, systematically, it's rebuilding time. And here's the good news. We get to help. See, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that our church, Southside Church, that we have been placed in this moment for a reason. And they mean, that means whether you're in the Fraser Valley or whether you're in Ottawa or Calgary or New Brunswick or California or Ireland, wherever you find yourself, I really believe that God placed you there. And that um, this challenge that we're experiencing as a world right now, we get to step up to it. And this opportunity that we have, we get to embrace it because it's rebuilding time and we get to help. So we've turned our attention to a story all about rebuilding out of the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. And last week I told you that if you look at the first nine chapters of Nehemiah, you see that there's really three C's to rebuilding. Three C's to rebuilding. The first C is compassion. Like you got to care, right? Like Martin Luther King Jr. said it this way, that life's most urgent and persistent question is this, what are you doing for others? Jesus said it this way, love your neighbor as yourself. Compassion. Compassion is tough in our culture today. I think there's two reasons. It's because we can become easily fooled and we can become easily fatigued. We live in a cancel culture where we got to be so careful about what we say or how we are perceived and we got to worry so much about our reputation, it seems like. And and, and so we can be fooled into the sense that if our image is correct, that that is compassion. That if we have a compassionate image, we are a compassionate person. But of course, when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, love is not an image. Love is an action. You got to do something. You got to, compassion takes generosity and energy, not just an image. But the second thing that can easily happen to us in our culture is we can become fatigued. There's hundreds of thousands of people around the world and their job, listen to this, their job, what they are employed to do is find bad news to send to you. No, really. And and, and the worse the news, the more you are panicked, the more that you are angered, the more that you are upset, the better. 
And, and, and so the, the point is, you can take three minutes scrolling through your newsfeed and you will experience what our entire culture is walking into right now. Sociologists called it compassion fatigue. There's this sense that you look, you scroll through your newsfeed and you say, man, I can't fix everything. So I'm not gonna do anything. That's compassion fatigue. And I wanna give you two anecdotes today. The, the first is real simple. You need to go on an information diet. You need to be very careful how you get your information. Where do you get your information from? How often do you check it? I know one time you shouldn't check it. First thing in the morning, ever. And the second antidote I wanna give you is I want you to pray this passage out of Ezekiel 36, it's a promise. God says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Let's pray that God would give us a, give us a new heart, new eyes to see, new hands to help, and a new heart to care. So that even though we look around the world and we say we can't fix everything, we'll always remember we can always do something with energy and enthusiasm. So the first C of rebuilding is compassion. And the second C is cooperation. I'll just put it this way. The story that you were made to tell with your life is bigger than you can tell on your own. And there's exponential power in unity that when we come together, we are much greater than the sum of our parts. So the first C is compassion, the second C is cooperation, and the third C is connection. That we're all connected in this great story. It's, it's a story of the human condition, and it's not always easy. And so when we understand that we're connected in that way, we look around and we're kind because we know that everybody is fighting a great battle. And we when we find connection that way, it, 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 it blends into compassion and cooperation also. So the three C's of rebuilding sets the stage perfectly for Nehemiah chapter 10. So in Nehemiah chapter 10, uh, the job that Nehemiah came to Jerusalem to do has been completed. The wall of Jerusalem is rebuilt. The gates are hung. It's all done. And now Nehemiah calls the people together and he says, yes, the walls are built. The gates are hung. It's awesome. And now we have an opportunity to build something beautiful within these new walls behind these fresh gates. And he gives to the people of Jerusalem three covenants, three covenants, a, a covenant on marriage, a covenant on rest, and a covenant on finances. And over the next three weeks, I want to talk about each one of those three covenants because I really believe that the principles that Nehemiah talked about 2,500 years ago are still powerful today. But before we get into that, today I want to talk about the concept of covenant. And I especially want to talk about covenant as contrasted with contract. I want to talk to you about contract-based spirituality. So I did a little chart to illustrate it. So here it is. Isn't that cool? I did that. I did that. I'm a technological master. It's fall kickoff, right? So here we go. All right. So here's what you need to understand about contract-based spirituality. It is based on legalism. Legalism. Okay? Uh, whereas covenant-based spirituality is based on love. Contract-based spirituality is based on protection. Covenant-based spirituality is all about promise. Contract-based spirituality is about equality. A covenant is all about extravagance. So let me stop there for a second because for some of us, the whole idea of covenant is a little bit foreign. So let me explain it to you this way. In a contract, two parties come together and, and they make a legal agreement that says we are both going to be protected. In other words, I will do my part, 
but you also have to do your part. And if you don't do your part, I don't have to do my part, right? And if I don't do my part, uh, you don't have to do your part. So we're both protected. And, and, and it's based on the idea of equality, that no one gets the better of anybody here, okay? So that we're both standing on firm footing before the law. That's a contract. A covenant isn't like that. A covenant, on the other hand, is based on love. John 3.16 says it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. Love. And it's not based on protection, it's based on promise. Here's the promise of God. It says, um, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the promise. And finally, instead of being based on equality, it's based on extravagance. I want you to think about that. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped into human history, he died on a cross and he rose again and he did his part. But he also did your part. And that's extravagance. Okay, so a covenant is about love, promise, and extravagance. So I know you guys like parts of speech. I know you're big fans of that. So I wanted to talk about the conjunction that goes with a covenant. The conjunction that goes with covenant is if. So can we talk about that for a second? God loves you if. God forgives you if. God saves you if. God is for you if. God is with you if. God has an incredible plan for your life if. That's a contract. Covenant-based spirituality has a different conjunction, and that conjunction is so. The conjunction is so. God loves you, so. And we'll talk a lot about this over the next three weeks. God is for you, so. God forgives you, so. God, um, God saves you, so we move on. We'll talk about that over the next three weeks. But the whole idea is this, that uh, contract-based spirituality is an obligation. I must do this. I must do that. I, I, I must achieve in order to be saved. I got to. I got to. That would be another way to say that. You got to. Covenant-based spirituality says, I don't, I don't got to. This is an opportunity. I get to move on with this abundant life that, uh, that Jesus came and died and rose again for. So instead of got to, the truth is, I get to. And finally, where does covenant-based spirituality come from? Well, the source is our loving Father. Sorry about my messy writing, by the way. In heaven. Okay? And where does contract-based spirituality come from? The pit of And that's not a catchphrase. Legalism or contract-based spirituality comes from the pit of hell. And it's really important that we know that. That there's a spiritual battle raging in this world. And that's really important for you because you're a spiritual person. You know that. You go a lot deeper than your body and your brain. So there's a spiritual battle raging in this world and you have a friend in Jesus and Jesus has a plan for you and that plan can be summarized with one word and that word would be victory. One word, victory. 
that he wants you to experience victory and bring victory to others, that you would experience God's love and share it, that you would experience hope and share it, that you would experience joy and share it, that you would be changed from the inside out, that you would bring positive change to a world that needs it. And in light of the fact that it's rebuilding time, let me put it this way, that that God would rebuild you so that you could in turn rebuild this world. You have a friend in Jesus who's planned his victory. You have an enemy named the devil. He has a plan for you also. And that plan could be summarized in one word. And that, and, and, and that word is defeat. He wants you to experience defeat and share it with others. He wants you to experience hatred and share it with the world. He wants you to experience anger and share it with the world. He wants you to experience despair and share it with the world. Since it's rebuilding time, let me put it this way. He wants to destroy you from the inside out so that you could live a life that leaves a wake of destruction behind you. And I would tell you that one of the major parts of the enemy's plan for your life is legalism. That legalism takes you down the road to destruction. So let me tell you where we stand at Southside. We stand on covenant. The the, the gospel is covenant. On the night Jesus was betrayed, just before he was crucified, he had a last supper with his disciples. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took a cup and he poured wine into it. And he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new covenant, the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. In other words, in an, ex, in an act of extravagant kindness and love, Jesus died on the cross. And by doing so, he did his part and he did your part too. So that's all that's left for you is just to receive. But legalism says it can't be that easy. So legalism adds an if. Well, God will love you if. God would forgive you if. Like legalism will admit, well, yeah, yeah, Jesus died on the cross but he didn't go through all of that for a bunch of wingnuts, a bunch of losers, a bunch of failures. Come on, think about it. And what's tragic and destructive about that is that if the standard is perfection, we're all wingnuts, we're all losers, and we're all failures. See, legalism says, I just want you to jump through this one hoop because if legalism can get you to jump through one hoop, if the enemy can get you to jump through just one hoop, there's no end to the hoops that he could have you jumping through. So I'll give you an example. Let's stick to something light. You must dress up for church. Ever heard that? You must dress up for church. It's funny because I've invited people to Southside Church before, people who had never attended church in their life, and they came. And, and after they were done, I, I, uh, I walked up to them and said, man, what did you think of the service? They said, oh, the service was great, but we were really offended. I said, what were you offended about? Well, people here don't dress up. It's a really interesting thought, isn't it? Like currently, if you're watching online, you would say, well, I'm definitely not dressed up right now, Mike. I'm like watching in my pajamas. That's awesome. I'm at the cabin watching in my, in my swimsuit. That's great. I got a buddy named Rich Stewart. Grew up with him in Red Deer. He lives in Seattle now. He's got a Bluetooth speaker in his shower. He listens to me. That's disturbing. So let's just forget that part altogether. But moving on. It's amazing to me that those people said, the one thing that offended me is that people at Southside Church didn't 
dress up enough. So if you ever invite someone to church, and I hope that you do, you might want to warn them if they're coming for an in-person experience, we don't really dress up here. But secondly, I want you to think about something. When I invited that person to church and they had never been to church before, what did they think of right away? Was their first thought, man, church is a place of love. I know that for sure. I don't know everything, but I know there's a lot of love. Church is a place of promise. Man, church is a place of extravagance. I know that for sure. Extravagant love. You know, and church is a place of opportunity. I don't got to, but I get to. No, they didn't think any of those things. What did they think? Church is a place that if you go, you better dress the bleep up. And it's just one little hoop. It's just one little hoop to jump through. But if the enemy can get you to jump through one hoop, there's no end to the hoops that he'll have you jumping through. It's destructive and it's legalism. There's this old hymn, it says this. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fighting in fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, and waiting not, to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, poor wretched blind, sight riches healing of the mind, Yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relief. Because thy promise, I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. Because thy promise, I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. That's a pretty beautiful song. So what do I need to do to impress God? What could I possibly do to impress God? Nothing. How do I approach him? Just as I am. What do I got going for me? Nothing, really. Absolutely nothing. Except for one thing. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in an act of extravagant love, went to the cross and died and then rose again. And by doing so, he did his part. And he did my part too. But if legalism can rob you of that, if legalism can have you jump through one single hoop, there's no end to the hoops that you'll be jumping through. I heard a story a while back about a church not far from here that had a Wednesday evening kids club, 6 to 7.30. Every Wednesday evening for kids between the ages of grade one and grade six. And it was mostly church kids that would come every week, but there was this one nine-year-old kid who kept showing up week after week after week after week, and he wasn't a church kid. And the reason that everyone knew that he wasn't a church kid is because this nine-year-old boy had an earring. And this was the kind of church where nine-year-old boys most definitely did not have earrings. And, and he would wear concert t-shirts uh, for bands that the people of that church most definitely did not approve of. But this kid sh- kept showing up on his bike every week for nine straight months. Every Wednesday night, he showed up. The teachers found out that uh, 
him and his mom lived about 40 minutes away, a 40-minute bike ride away in a trailer park. But every week he would ride his bike to kids' club. He had an earring, though, right? Like, he had an earring. And it wasn't the kind of church where little boys who were nine years old have earrings. And, and he would wear concert t-shirts all the time um, from bands that the people of that church most definitely didn't approve of. But every Wednesday night for nine months, he kept showing up. And the teachers at the kids' club found out that uh, it was just him and his mom alone. They'd been alone since his father abandoned them when he was just a little baby. He'd never knew, known his dad. And there'd been a series of guys that had kind of walked through their life. Some of them were really nice to him, and he was devastated when they moved on. Some of them just ignored him and gave him the feeling that life would be a lot easier if he would just disappear. And some of the men that came through their life, well, they abused him and they treated him in ways that no little boy should ever be treated. But every single Wednesday night for nine months, he kept showing up on his bike through rain and sleet and sun. He kept showing up. But he had an earring, right? He had an earring. It wasn't the kind of church that nine-year-old little boys really wear earrings. And he would wear these concert t-shirts all the time from bands that the people of that church didn't really approve of. But he kept showing up. And when the teacher would talk about how Jesus loved the little children, his eyes would light up. Or when the teacher would talk about how Jesus came to elevate people that the world denigrates. In other words, when the teacher talked about the fact that uh, sometimes the world puts people down and sometimes the world talks down to people, that Jesus lifted those that the world looked down on up and that really hit him hard because he had watched the way that people talk to his mom sometimes and the way that people looked at his mom sometimes. And so when the teacher said that Jesus lifts those up who the world tears down, man, he got tears in his eyes. <clears throat> but he hit him real quick so no one would see it. For nine straight months, he kept showing up. Didn't miss a week. Did I tell you he had an earring though? He had an earring and you know, the kind of kids that went to that church, they didn't really wear earrings. And he would wear concert t-shirts from bands that the people from that church most definitely didn't approve of. But he kept showing up. In fact, teachers there will tell you that he was the only kid that memorized his memory verse every single week for nine months. Never missed once. Now he never got his prize because they handed out the prizes on Sundays, but he didn't care. He kept riding his bike 40 minutes there, 40 minutes back. Every Wednesday night for nine months, he didn't miss. He had an earring though, right? Yeah, and it was the kind of church that didn't really approve of nine-year-old little boys wearing earrings. And he would wear these concert t-shirts for bands that the people of that church didn't approve of. But he kept showing up for nine months until one Wednesday night, a longtime influential member of that church came to drop off his 10-year-old daughter at Kids Club. As he was walking with his daughter to her classroom, he saw this scruffy nine-year-old boy with an earring and a concert t-shirt, and he thought, that kid must be lost. But then he watched him walk into the classroom. So after he dropped his daughter off, he came walking over. Um, he crouched down at this kid's desk. He said, hey, little boy, what's your name? And the kid said, my name is Billy. He said, oh, that's great to meet you, Billy. He said, are you in any clubs, Billy? And Billy said, yeah, I am in one. I'm in the, I'm in the boys' club. Me and a bunch of the guys in the trailer park started a, started a club called the boys' club. And this long-time influential member of the church said, oh, is that right, Billy? Well, do you have any rules for your club? And Billy said, only one, no girls allowed. 
this guy looked at Billy and he said, well, this church is a little bit like a club. And I've been a member of this church for a long, long time. And we don't have a lot of rules, but we do have some. And here's one of them. No little boys with earrings. And then he stood up and he walked out. And Billy sat there for about 45 seconds. And he stood up and he walked out and he got on his bike and he rode home. And he never came back. And that's legalism. It's from the pit of hell. So I want to end with this. God loves you. No if. No if. God loves you. And if there's any part of you that's thinking if to that, understand that's not God's voice. God loves you. Unequivocally. God is for you. God is with you. God has a plan for your life. There's no if about it. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus. See, when Jesus Christ, the son of God, stepped into human history, he came and he did his part and he did your part too. And now all you need to do is receive. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. No hoops to jump through. No ifs. Just to accept the free gift that Jesus came to give you. So if you're right now, whether you're in a part of the in-person experience or the online experience, and you've never accepted that gift that Jesus came to die and rise again to give you, I want to give you that opportunity right now. So I'm going to pray. By the way, you don't need to know every answer. You don't need to have it all tied up. You don't have to have it all figured out. That's the point. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. It's extravagant. It's a promise and it's love. So I want to pray out loud right now and I ask you if, if today is the day that you want to accept that gift that Jesus came to bring you. Will you just pray along with me? So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that it's not about contract. Today I come and I accept your gift. Thank you for dying for me. And so I pray that you would forgive every one of my sins. If the standard is perfection, I know I can't get there on my own. Thank you that you forgive every single sin. And today, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord. Thank you that you rose again. I pray that you would give me a life worth living, a life of promise, a life of love, a life of opportunity that starts now and stretches into eternity. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm so excited for you. I just ask you to do me one favor. Whether you're a part of the in-person experience or the online experience, I just want you to take a second and text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. Man, we don't want to stalk you, but you better believe we want to support you. And we want to be a part of this incredible life that Jesus came to give you. Fall kickoff, 2020. Look, man, I can prove it to you. Foliage. What a day. What a day. And it's just going to keep getting better. We're going to close today with a song. Next week is going to be amazing. Make it a priority to be a part of what we're doing. I love you guys, and we'll see you soon. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.